God tells Edom that their heart is too strong and that will bring them down. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembry. And I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV. We are discovering the words of Obadiah. This is a fascinating read and we're going to get into it in about three minutes time. So stay there as we go forward and learn what God has said to us. Corey and Ryan are here as well. Corey. So I'm taking a look at the history of the nation of Edom today. Ryan? All right. So since the book of Obadiah centers around Edom, today I'm going to look at its founder, Esau. All right. Very good. And of course, Janice. Today my segment is titled, A Heart Check. All right. So let's get our Bibles out and get our Bible guides out. If you don't know or if you don't have a Bible guide, stay there because we'll tell you how you can get one. But the Bible is the most important book of all. Let's open it up and look at this small prophet who speaks to Edom. And let's hear what the Lord says. Open up Obadiah. Obadiah 1 through 9. The Vision of Obadiah. Thus says the Lord God concerning Edom We have heard a report from the Lord, and a messenger has been sent among the nations, saying, Arise, and let us rise up against her for battle. Behold, I will make you small among the nations, you shall be greatly despised. The pride of your heart has deceived you, you who dwell in the clefts of the rock, whose habitation is high. You who say in your heart, Who will bring me down to the ground? Though you ascend as high as the eagle, and though you set your nest among the stars, from there I will bring you down, says the Lord. If thieves had come to you, if robbers by night, oh, how you will be cut off! Would they not have stolen till they had enough? If grape-gatherers had come to you, would they not have left some gleanings? Oh, how Esau shall be searched out! How his hidden treasures shall be sought after! All the men in your confederacy shall force you to the border. The men at peace with you shall deceive you and prevail against you. Those who eat your bread shall lay a trap for you. No one is aware of it. Will I not in that day, says the Lord, even destroy the wise men from Edom and understanding from the mountains of Esau? Then your mighty men, O Teman, shall be dismayed to the end that everyone from the mountains of Esau may be cut off by slaughter. Obadiah 1 through 9. You know, the descendants of the twin brothers, Jacob and Esau, became two distinct nations. But during their lives, Jacob and Esau lived at odds with each other. Now, the Bible records the unflattering tale of how Israel's forefather, Jacob, stole Esau's rightful blessing from their father. When Jacob left the land, running away from Esau. Now, we don't really know what was in his mind, how he was thinking, but just that he wanted to stay alive and he wanted to hopefully come back one day. Well, eventually, Jacob did come back. He came back to the land to meet Esau in an unnerving scene. 
You know, God had worked on Esau's heart, though, and Esau was glad to see his brother after so many years. Now, this history of tension, interestingly, resurfaces hundreds of years later when Edom, that is the descendants of Esau, would not let Israel, the descendants of Jacob, travel through their territory. Numbers 20, verses 14 to 21. The prophet Obadiah confronts Edom for their treatment of Israel. And today we run into the great prophet of Obadiah. This is a fascinating time when we can talk about what God is doing in this particular place. And take your Bible and turn to the book of Obadiah. Take your Bible guide. If you don't have a Bible guide, why not? You can get your Bible guide by writing to us or calling us or going to BibleDiscoveryTV.com. When you go there, it takes you to a donate page. Thank you for your donations. Very important to us. And we thank you for that. And Holy Spirit, continue to tell people and reach people with the power of Jesus Christ in this. Today, we focus on the power of God. And when you lock it, look at this, it's going to be very interesting because Obadiah is a very short uh, version of God's text here. Nevertheless, it's great. So, Father, I pray today in the name of Jesus Christ that as we study the book of Obadiah, we would hear what you're saying to the people. Hear what you're saying to us, Lord, because this is in your word so we can see it. Help us, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ. And we said together, amen and amen. Now, Obadiah is a great prophet. And as we begin to open this, the opening words, the beginning sentence starts with the vision of Obadiah. That's what it says. The vision of Obadiah, thus says the Lord God concerning Edom. This is what the vision is about. We have heard a report from the Lord and a messenger has been sent among the nations saying, arise and let us rise up against her for battle. Behold, I will make you small as or small among the nations. You shall be greatly despised and the pride of your heart has deceived you. You who dwell in the clefts of the rock, whose habitation is high, you who say in your heart, who will bring us down to the ground? Though you ascend as high as the eagle, and though you set your nest among the stars, from there I will bring you down, says the Lord. This is a great passage of scripture. God tells Edom that the pride of their heart is what will bring them down. How they feel about themselves is what will bring them down. Prideful thinking distorts us away from God and should have no place in our lives. Pride is a problem. And we learn that coming up on the New Testament, which we will in a few weeks. We will learn that as we, as we think about ourselves, that's takes us into the presence of God or moves us away from the presence of God. When we understand that we are sinners, that we are lost, and there is nothing that we can do about it, we can't save ourselves. However, what we can do is come to Jesus Christ and say, Lord, forgive me of my sin, make me well. And then God comes in with his Holy Spirit, refurbishes us, I call it Christ esteem, and lifts us up and helps us to see who he has created us to be. Very, very important. Let's keep that in mind. But the Edomites didn't do that. They were 
promoting themselves because they set themselves so high. That's a problem. Obadiah 5 through 7 says, If thieves had come to you, if robbers by night, oh, how would you or how you will be cut off? Would they not have stolen till they had enough? If grape gatherers had come to you, would they not have left some gleanings? Or how Esau shall be searched out, how his hidden treasures shall be sought after? All the men in your confederacy shall force you to the borders. The men at, the, at peace with you, with you shall deceive you and prevail against you. Those who eat your bread shall lay a trap for you. No one is aware of it. Now notice here that God says something very important. God says that all those who, whom Edom has trusted will betray them. You see, our victory is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Trust in God. Beloved, listen carefully. Everybody today is talking about who to trust. And Edom did that too. They said, well, we've got this deal and that deal, but only God is worthy to receive our trust. Only through the Lord Jesus Christ can we properly learn how to trust somebody. And so we must pray about our friendships. We must pray about our associations. This is very important, especially today when spirits are running crazy. We need to focus our attention on what God says and do that. That's very important. Now let's go to this last passage of scripture, eight and nine. This is fascinating. Will I not in that day, says the Lord, even destroy the wise men from Edom and understanding from the mountains of Esau? Then your mighty men, O Teman, shall be dismayed to the end that everyone from the mountains of Esau may be cut off by slaughter. These are strong words, let me tell you. There is no wisdom that can go against God. God's wisdom is high above ours. He is the only one who can save us. The wisdom of God. And when we come into a situation, our lives might be in a very difficult place as we read this. Only God can save us. Let's keep that in mind. We come into that place and we begin to understand that God himself is the only one who can save us. Today, before we go into any situation, any circumstance, everybody's talking about, you know, they got commercials about money, commercials about this, commercials about that, what to trust, what not to trust. The only way we can navigate through this is to trust in God. On the $1 bill, on the coins, on all of the bills, we have a famous saying in the United States of America, in God we trust. What does that mean? It means we trust in God. And the people who put that on the bill, they're smart people. And they understood that the only way we can make it in this life, the only way we can continue to navigate through this world is by trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, today we pray that you would help us to learn to trust you with the people around us, with the associations, with our friends, with everybody else. Teach us your way and show us your path. What I mean to say, Lord, is your way is different than the other ways in this world. Help us, Lord, and that's how we can survive. That's how we can make it, and that's how we can glorify your name.
Hi, Rod Hember here. We go through the Bible every year from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. Now you can join us and watch at the time you like by searching Bible Discovery TV on the Roku box or on Amazon Fire TV. Anytime you want to watch us, we're there. Get a hold of it. Watch us anytime you want to. Welcome back to the program. Today, to go along with our reading of Obadiah, I want to talk about the nation of Edom, since that's Obadiah's central focus. And because this passage is more meaningful when you know the origin and the history of this nation. Now, it starts all the way back in Genesis with Jacob's twin brother Esau, who is the founder of Edom. And we're going to be picking it up from chapter 24 in Genesis, where his father Isaac unintentionally blesses Jacob rather than Esau. Now, when Esau learns of this, he begs his father for another blessing. Well, and Isaac does give him a prophecy, and though on the surface it does seem that it's very similar to Jacob's, it's actually very different. Check it out. With failing vision, the elderly Isaac inadvertently blesses his younger son Jacob rather than the intended recipient, Esau, his firstborn and he declares over him first a promise of agricultural prosperity. May God give you of the dew of heaven, of the fatness of the earth, and plenty of grain and wine. And then a promise of lordship. Let people serve you, and nations bow down to you. Be master over your brethren, and let your mother's sons bow down to you. And finally, to connect this patriarchal blessing with the Abrahamic covenant, Isaac declares, Cursed be everyone who curses you, and blessed be those who bless you. When Esau learns that all of this has been promised to Jacob, he bitterly wails and laments and demands a blessing from his father. While there is a blessing given to Esau at this point, and while the first part of it appears to be identical to Jacob's blessing in some translations of the Bible, it is in fact the opposite of what was promised to his younger brother. For example, a few English translations of the Bible render the Hebrew in the following verse this way. Behold, Esau, your dwelling shall be of the fatness of the earth and of the dew of heaven from above. But the grammatical elements present in the Hebrew text means it should be read this way. Behold, your dwelling shall be away from the fatness of the earth and away from the dew of heaven. So since Esau's place is away from this and away from that, Esau will not inherit the land. Whatever his blessing, it will be away from the land. He will not be the inheritor of it. Jacob will be. Isaac then continues his blessing of Esau and makes three specific prophecies regarding his nation Edom. The first is, by your sword you shall live. In other words, he will sustain himself by plunder and he will live the life of a marauding dwelling nation. One example of the fulfillment of this is in Numbers chapter 20. The second prophecy is, and you shall serve your brother Jacob. This also came to pass since Edom was defeated by Saul and then subjugated by David. There was also a failed revolt under Solomon. Edom did rebel against Joram but was subdued again by Amaziah. The third prophecy Jacob made was, And it shall come to pass when you become restless that you shall break his yoke from your neck. As previously mentioned, this break happened first under Joram and then under Ahaz. 
In subsequent history, when the Jews went into Babylonian captivity, the Edomites left their territory at Mount Seir in the Transjordan and moved to the southern part of Judah, where they became known as Idumeans. In addition, later these Idumeans were conquered by one of the descendants of the Maccabees, John Hyrcanos, who conquered them in 129 BC, forcibly converted them to Judaism, and then incorporated Idumea into the Jewish Judean state. Eventually, these converted Idumeans produced the dynastic rule of the House of Herod. So that was just a brief overview of the origin and history of the nation of Edom. And when you understand the history here, you can clearly see how the brotherly rivalry between Jacob and Esau continued on throughout the course of time. And Edom's violent treatment of Israel is the reason for God's judgment upon them, as Obadiah points out in verses 10 through 14. It's a fascinating read. It really is. Thank you, Ryan. Excellent. Mm -hmm. All right, Corey, let's go. All right. I'm going to pick up a little bit where Ryan left off. So when we're talking about the history of Edom, there's actually a lot of debate in the scholarly world, mainly because the data that's available to historians and archaeologists is fragmentary. And without written records of the Edomites themselves, it's left largely up to interpretation. Now, from enemy records, we know some things. Where Edom was, for example. From Assyrian records, we know Edomite kings paid tribute to Assyria at certain times, and the Bible tells us a lot more. So we know the origin of Edom back in Genesis, and we know the names of chiefs and kings of Edom that are given in the book of First Chronicles. We know that on Israel's way to the promised land, Edom refused them passageway through Edomite territory. We know that the Israelites often campaigned against Edom and took territory from them. For example, King Saul in 1 Samuel 14. Also, a dishonorable mention goes to Doeg the Edomite, who worked for Saul and slaughtered the priests of Nob, which is not a glowing report of the faithfulness of Edomites. And I'm sure there would have been hard feelings over that one. Now, David also, King David, took Edomite territory in 2 Samuel 8. Now, we know that they were completely subjected to Judah during Jehoshaphat's reign, which you can read about in 1 Kings 22. But this was lost when Jehoshaphat's son Jehoram became king. Edom rebelled against Judah and set up their own king once again. Now, when Jehoram went to war to get them back, he almost lost his life in an ambush. He made it back home safely, but in full military retreat, and Edom was free once again, at least from Judah and for a time. Because in 2 Kings 14, we're told that the son of Joash, remember Joash? He was the boy king who was saved from Queen Athalia's murderous rampage and then reestablished as king by the high priest Jehoiada, that Joash his son named Amaziah. Amaziah launched a successful military battle against Edom, and he's said to have defeated 10,000 Edomites in the Valley of Salt and captured Selah in battle, where he may or may not have thrown thousands of Edomites off its rocky cliffs to an untimely death. But anyways, he renames Selah Jokthiel, which means subdued by God. More on Selah Jokthiel a bit later. Now, these victories made him cocky and and he challenged the king of Israel who promptly destroyed the wall of Jerusalem, raided the temple, and took hostages back to Israel. 
Second Chronicles 25 fills in some details for us here. Apparently on taking the gods of Edom as spoils of war, Amaziah set them up to be worshipped. It was a common practice to pay tribute to the gods of a conquered people so as to earn their patronage rather than inspire their spiritual wrath. But this led to an awful confrontation with a prophet of God. Amaziah's pride was then on full display, not even allowing the prophet to fully give the message of God. Later, in the days of King Ahaz of Judah, the time of Isaiah the prophet, the time when Assyria was empire building, we're told in 2 Chronicles 28 that Ahaz reached out to Assyria for aid because he was dealing with raids from Aram and Israel to the north and raids from the Edomites in the south. Edom does not fare well in the prophetic books of the Old Testament. In various ways, Edom's condemned and spoken against in Isaiah chapters 21, 34, and 63, in Jeremiah 49 and Lamentations 4, in Ezekiel 25, 32, 35, and 36, in Joel 3, Amos 1, Obadiah, and Malachi 1. It's a lot. There are a few things that she's accused of, but especially of taking possession of Judah's land and being opportunistic in Judah's weakness and day of disaster. Now, archaeologically, not a lot is known of Edom, again, because there aren't written records coming from Edom, but there have been a couple of cultic sites unearthed from southern Judah showing that Edom did indeed conquer up into Judah. Large-scale copper productions dating back to before the time of King David have also been explored in Edom, yielding really interesting results that may give evidence to a centralized government, perhaps taking over from what was at first an Egyptian-controlled industry. But for our purposes today in speaking about the destruction of Edom and that famous or maybe infamous site of Selah where Amaziah threw Edomite men off of some sort of cliff, the site of Es Selah today is still unexcavated, but it gathered a lot of attention in the early 2000s. The site is a natural rock fortress with towering walls accessible only through a narrow ancient staircase. From finds on the surface of the fortress, it was occupied in the biblical time and could have been a good place to throw a bunch of people off of, but it gained attention for the Esila relief, a plaque carved into a cliff face that had a depiction of Babylonian king Nabonidus with writing that's mostly indecipherable today. But the carving demonstrates what historians have believed about the destruction of Edom for a long time, learned from four surviving Babylonian records, that Edom fell to Babylon during Nabonidus' campaign through their region on his way to a desert oasis, which just as a fun fact, he oddly chose to live there for 10 years while his son Belshazzar acted as co-regent back in Babylon. Fascinating stuff. Very interesting, Corey. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. All right, Janice? I was so interested in that. I was drawn in. Now we, <laughs> I'm glad. Now yeah. we're going to switch gears and we're going to talk about a heart check. Now, I want to start off by saying Obadiah, this, this small book, Obadiah, lets us know that to the aching heart, God is on his throne and he cares for his own. That's the big message that I want to get out to you today. To the aching heart, God is on his throne and he cares for his own. Now I'm going to back up a little bit and talk about this heart check that we need to do on ourselves. God's judgment would come on Edom because her arrogance and trusting in where they were located, her diplomatic treaties, and the counsel of her wise men instead of God. 
Why do we need to do a heart check? Well, where is our trust as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ? Is it in the security of where we live, perhaps in our country, um, where we can depend upon our communities, our social activities, those types of things that we're, we live in a, in a free uh, society? Is it in our government to provide for us? Um, through through government checks or through government, you know, we, we just think, well, if we can get this person into power, then we'll be okay. We can trust in that. Or is our trust in the wisdom of this world, in the wisdom of our traditions, in the wisdom of what the majority has to say? Where is our trust? It needs to be in God. And this is where it was not in Edom. When we fully trust in God, we can follow him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and we belong to him. And that's where our trust needs to be. Rod, it's so very important. You know, I remember when we were going through COVID, when I talk about a heart check, I I really am talking about something that was very personal. Because when we were going through COVID, and it just depends on where you happen to be living in that time, but we were essentially not shut down from coming to work, but we were shut down from shopping, from going to to church together, from doing a lot of things. Seeing people. Seeing people. And it, it, it stirred up in me emotions that I didn't quite know were there. Things that I thought were a right of mine because of where I lived or whatever. And so I think it's really important as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ to always do a heart check to make sure that our hearts are seeking after God, that our hearts are one with him, that we are going to make mistakes. But as Proverbs 3 says, don't trust in your own your own thinking, in your own wisdom, but acknowledge God and, and ask him and he will direct your paths. And I think that's really important. This was something that was missing from Edom. Edom was very prideful, um, very proud people. And we should not be. We should always remember who we are and who God is. We need to reverence God. And I think uh, in a lot of ways, we have lost that as believers. And so let's not treat Jesus as our buddy, buddy, best, best friend. He is a friend. He's closer than a friend. But he's authority. But he is our authority and he is our Lord. He gave his life for us. And we need to be following it. If we've chosen to follow him, then we need to be doing that with our full heart and learning how to trust in him wholeheartedly. I do want to promote Rumble because it has our live feed on it. And Rumble is a social media network. I encourage you to check it out. A very, very good place. Make sure that you subscribe. That's very, very important. Then you can watch everything we're doing here. Today, we need to pray. Lord, 
Help me to learn more about you from your word. Help me to understand what you're saying about who you are. In the name of Jesus Christ, and we said together, amen.